Hey, welcome to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and today we have Craig Sullivan. How are you doing, Craig? I'm doing good, thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Uh, we just, I'm, I'm excited to hear your story. We've just come from your church in Dargaville uh, with your wonderful wife, Petrina, mm, and uh, what an amazing service that was. You actually had somebody come on there and share their testimony, mm. and I was thinking, oh, would you look at that, a testimony being shared. How powerful is that? And it really was powerful. So, But I'm keen to hear your story, Craig. Where does your story begin? I grew up in um, Kenner Street, Porito, um, in Wellington, and um, my mum came from England after the Second World War, and she was an orphan. She she was brought up in an orphanage in um, London, mm. and um, when she came to New Zealand, she met my dad at a ball, and he's a Maori, a full blooded Maori, he still is, he's still alive. So he came from um, Taranaki and oh, met yeah? my mum. Wow! And um, I'm the youngest out of seven children. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> it's cool. It's a big family. Big Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. Mum always put it on, you know. She really loved Christmas and stuff. And um, because... Did your family know uh, the Lord? No. Growing up? Well, my mum came from the Church of England. She never told us anything about that because my dad bet her when she was, you know, um, after got married and stuff like that, you know, um, went through the, the same old... Scenario that everybody goes through in the hood and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and um, his his life, he you know he was um, his dad remarried and um, the mother kicked him out. He was the oldest, and he went to our nan, lived with nan. Nan died. She was part of the Catholic Church, and um, so she he sorry he went in there. And um, things happened in there that shouldn't happen to young boys. So um, he gave the person, the perpetrator, a hiding, and then he left and um, just travelled around New Zealand. And um, so back in my dad's day, he's 80-something now, in his days he was beaten and whipped um, not to speak oh. Māori, so very hard. Yeah. So he doesn't speak it now and he doesn't teach it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so growing up in Porirua for us... Um, we were part of Birthright. Mm. Uh, Birthright helped families, so um, mm. it wasn't easy. But my mum, she she ended up being my dad mm. and um, looking after us. So, um, so yeah. what happened was my dad ended up leaving when I was maybe two. I think you know I was um, I was just sort of hanging on because um, he was beating her up, but I was I was only just hanging on to. Mm. Um, the other siblings' legs and stuff. And right. I, I remember the. I remember it so um, vividly. And um, so anyway, he left, and um, Mum brought us up. Amazing woman, I tell you, just wow. absolutely amazing. So your dad left it. How old were you when your dad left? Yeah, I was about two or just under two. Okay, something like that. Because I yeah. could, I can't remember walking. I remember grabbing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, how did that affect you guys as a family unit? We just carried on. Yeah. You know, um, just one of those mountains you have to climb. Yeah, we carried on because, you know, um, he was, he wasn't very good anyway. It was actually better without him. 
because of the alcohol and the parties. Because he actually worked at um, Lion Brown. So, you know, we had kegs, um, mini tankers and stuff like that. He'd feed the neighbourhood alcohol and stuff like that. Mm. So, you know, we grew up around it all. So when you say he left, did you, was he still involved in your life to, to an extent as well? Yeah, he would try to come and pick us up and say hello, but it was very hard with my mum because she right. really um, hated him. Um, but, you know, um, the thing is, is that God had a plan for us because, you know, as much as we went through stuff, mm. um, Birthright came aboard and um, every two weeks before Christmas would um, take us to our rancho, a Kiwi ranch. Mm. They were um, Christian camps. Oh, yeah. So we'd go to there. We weren't Christian. At all, you know. So why why they send you to the Christian camps? Was it just to get rid of you guys for a few days? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. To give mum a break because you know yeah. um, she was doing it all on her own. Mm. And even when it's quite out of it that when I was born, he wasn't allowed to because they noticed the abuse. Mm. So she he wasn't allowed to um, take me home. So she had a month at um, in, in Wellington with birthright because mm. they had a home for women. Um, so, you know, God granted me that, that time that I didn't know until I gave my heart to Jesus. You said, um, you, so your dad was a little bit abused. I mean, he was abusive. Yeah. But you said that he was also abused as a child as well. Yes, that's right. So do you think that was almost something that followed through because of that? Yeah. You know, like, it's one of those things. I, I mean, I, I ask this because I want to ask, you know, have you forgiven your dad? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and... Having that forgiveness allows you to also have the understanding on, uh, you know, what was what was his childhood like, and yeah, what, you wow. know, why why did he turn out that way? So it almost makes it easier to to forgive and and to love him and be like, look, he, mm. he had it rough, you know, yeah, yeah, just just as much as you, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, my mum coming from England, born in the Second World War. Yeah, wow. wow. You know, I, I cared for her. Before she passed, so I had God granted me three years of um, caring for her, you know, and um, it's just amazing. What a blessing! I got a golden news. Yeah, absolute blessing. And um, so, how it came about? So I was we always went to camp, Christian camps. We weren't Christian, but you know, we we were um, we just took over the place and learnt. We were, my mum was a horse lover, so um, she used to. Um, clean uh, the the palace horses and pick up their poo and clean the horses and, mm. and all that. She used to, um, they taught her to, how to dine with the queen and all this. She loved the royals. That was real cool. And uh, But my dad had the opposite. So she taught us this, but she put us into um, horse riding lessons in Puriru, you know. Mm. <laughs> Ain't nobody do that. You know, it's not there. It's, you don't see that in the hood. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'd walk through Cannons Creek in our joppers and our boots and our hats and our mates would laugh their heads off because <laughs> my mum wasn't allowed to take us to church and um, because Dad pretty much beat it out of her. Wow. But, um, she, we went to horse riding lessons, you know. And um, so the, these are the things that God has shown me since I've given my heart to Jesus. And um, and my upbringing and everything just makes so much sense, mm. you know. So um, 
I, I, um, I grew up, played league all my life, did really well, enjoyed it. And then um, the money ran out. Um, and then they started paying us with um, alcohol was always free. Can I rewind to your Christian camps? Oh, yeah. Did you, as a kid, going to these Christian camps, see God in any any of this, or was it more of a no. social club for you well, or something a, to do? We were told to go there, and we <clears throat> obeyed our mum. Yeah. Yeah, because we honoured our mum so, uh, as much as we could. Yeah. No, that's good. That's, that's <laughs> and, really um, good. Yeah. It, it isn't until I actually gave my heart to Jesus fully that I understood what's going on. Mm. You know, and understood that um, Je- Jesus had a plan for me. God had a plan, and the songs now, some of the songs now, mm. um, man, you know, I I know mm. the old songs. I know them because they sung them. You know, yeah. we were there. And they they hold an, an impact and attach to your heart now that you understand them. Yeah, more yeah. than ever. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit um, where we were before because I sort yeah. of bounced back to All the Christian good. camp. But, yeah, well, you said you played league your whole life and then you run out of money? Yeah, well, so we were um, paid to play sometimes. We, we, there was a lot of alcohol just to entice us to play and stuff like that. And I got to the stage where I could get paid, so I got paid. And then the money ran out. The sponsors left the game. Um David Longy at the time was the head of the rugby league and stuff like that. So everything was going really well, petrol mm. vouchers and everything. Um, and then, you know, we'd get paid um, two tinnies, you know, um, every training plus travelling. And then that um, that changed because of just whatever. Uh, that's when amphetamine came. And then it started with amphetamine. So that was it, you know. Um, I got hooked on amphetamine. Went through that. It started off as a uh, just recreational, and then got worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, so I was uh, a country fried chicken, which we call fried tuck. And um, how old were you when you started taking meth? I must have been, I don't know, thirty maybe. No. Okay, so yeah, just so, so it wasn't like I was a, you're young and dumb in high school. You were young and dumb and 30. Well, we, we were winning grand finals and uh, yeah, we were wow. doing semi-finals and, you know, came cigars and... You are actually a pro rugby player. Well, yeah. More or okay. less, semi-pro, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I played in different areas and helped where I needed to help, you know, and um, yeah. it's, it's changed for drugs and stuff like that and wore a headgear and it was great. Good times um, because... I see God all over it mm. now. We before I didn't, mm. you know. Um, so growing up, it was always drugs. I started doing drugs when I was eight. So you know, um, um, when we're going to camp and stuff like that, you know, um, we grew up with uh, um, a, a gang that were called the Male Males, and they had cocaine and all that on the table, and we didn't know. But you know, um, that's where I learnt drugs. And then that took over my life. And then so when I got the... I actually gave up when I was 19. Gave up all the drugs. Oh. And people were just like, you know, what are you doing here? Because we'd store nightclub and all what, that. Um, what caused that? You know... I wanted to be a professional rugby league player. Yeah, and you, you know, had I to be drug-free for that. Yeah. Um, 
I went to the St. George building for interviews and stuff like that and contracts and everything was sounding good and everything. But um, me and a couple of guys, you know, months later got caught smoking dope. So, you know, that, that blew that. Um, and then, you know, just the lifestyle of everything else. Mm. You know? And oh. um, when I was 19, I gave it all up. I thought, okay, you know, I want to play the Winfield Cup. You know, I want to get in there. And then all the sponsors left and stuff like that. And plus I was skinny and everything else. So just got tougher and tougher. Um, but, you know, I'd be at nightclubs. I'd be out with my mates and I was the sober driver. So I'd drive for Linton Army mm. and um, Trenton Army. So I got to drive all the latest vehicles and all that. And, you know, people say, you know, aren't you bored? You know, you you, um, you need a drink. They'd always try to force me to drink. It's like, no, I don't need it. Thanks, I'm good, you know. Mm. I'm quite happy just to socialise, especially after games and grand finals mm. and stuff. And then, um, you know, when I gave my heart to the Lord, that's what I was missing. That that was all. You know, I, I searched. I, had every, I gave up everything, every drug you could possibly think and all that. Um, but I was missing something. So you, you, you obviously realized you were missing something when you gave your heart to the Lord. Mm. But prior to that, was there a moment in your life where you're going, actually my life does have a God-shaped hole. Something's missing in my life. And mm. was something missing and you were filling it with meth and you're filling it with uh, different drugs and parties and, and, and chasing mm. something to sate yourself? Yeah. And did you realize after that that it was actually just God that you're missing? You know, you're trying to set yourself these temporary highs. Yes. Well, so when I was going to these Christian camps, one of the things that one of the leaders um, talked to us about was about, because I used to see things in my room, climbing the walls and people sitting at the end of my bed and da-da-da-da-da. That was just the enemy trying to rob me from my childhood. I didn't know that then. So I'd... um. I'd mentioned that to a leader, and he said, okay, well, this is what you do. You say, in the power and the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. Mm. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a believer or nothing. But I did it, and it worked yeah. all the time. So um, I always I always would say that, you know, and, and you know, when I used to drink and drive, because I did, um, I'd say, um, Lord, forgive me, I'm going to drive. I need to get home, um, protect me. You know, and I'd always get home. So I drank. I, I didn't really drink that much growing up, but when I did um, drink heavy, I'd be crawling into my car, you know, and driving. And I'd always drive, you know, but I always prayed before. <laughs> wow. All the time. Isn't that peculiar? Yeah, I don't know. Not now. Then? Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. At the state that you were in. You still had, I mean, I, I think sometimes, you know, um, you get these people and, and they get these, these frights of their life, mm. you know, and they say, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. But how peculiar it's that name they cry out right before they get hit by a bus or right before that they yeah. break their leg or whatever yes. it is. How amazing that it's mm. almost a spiritual reflex that we that our our spirits That's right great. deep down are craving yeah, good. the name of Jesus, yeah, and they say it as a reflex, knowing that is what I need, 
and I don't even know if I'm going to die or not because it's a reflex. It's in this millisecond. I don't know what's happening. But you're almost having the same thing when you're crawling into the car Mm. and you're going, Jesus Christ, help me get home. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing that that's that's still the name that you went to. Mm. And I love how you say you're not a believer. Sounds like you you kind of were, but not mm. like I went following and not following. Wasn't uh, living the life. Yeah, man. it was like it really wasn't. And I'm acknowledging you're real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm uh, I'm just gonna pray this, and and I yeah. know you'll protect me. But yeah. um, well, because you know we we're being Maori, we're spiritually connected to Father. Yeah, we've and, noticed um, that traveling around. We just didn't know. Yeah, we just didn't know that the son had been and gone. Yeah. So our people sung about him. And it never read anything down, you know, just mm. just like the Jewish and the Hebrew, you know, they never read anything down. Yeah. So it was passed on through knowledge. And um, so mm. we were taught at Marais and stuff like that. And a lot of um, kamatoas and that would teach us, you know, um, keep um, karate close to you. Mm. And we're like, who's that guy? Yeah, true. But, I, you know, I believe that um, if it wasn't for um, – the Christian camps, you know, um, you know, God's revealing Himself to me more and more. Mm. Yeah, and it just gets better. That's so cool. Yeah. All right, well, let's start fast forwarding a little bit. Mm. When did when did you encounter the Living God? Um, so it, it was a bit of a journey because when I was in on in, when I was in amphetamine. I'd say, I need God. I need God. My mate's going, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you mean you need God? I need to go to church. I need to go to church. They're like, what? And then anyway, um, towards the end. You would kind of put yourself as you're on meth and you're going, you're more or less on a different level, right? Because everything's more, I don't know, sensitive and... Yeah, uh, engaged, gosh. right? Yeah, but you're on this different level, which uh, nobody's seen my hands on the podcast as an audio only <laughs> podcast. But my hands, I got one hand, you know, one level, and then raising yeah, the other hand to be above it. The meth hand is on the higher level. You're on this higher level, sort mm. of quotations. But at that higher level, you're going. I need God. Mm. <laughs> How interesting is it? Yeah. Because you know, there's the ancient shamans back in the day. And those shamans, they would put them put themselves under these drugs and influences, and, and they would see these spiritual things, and they would be crying out to different gods and things like that, and they would use those drugs to be able to connect with the spiritual. And it's interesting how you, under the influence of meth, were connecting yeah, yourself to the spiritual and going, I need God. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've shared that testimony with a lot of people um, that have recovered from amphetamine. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people that are reading scripture that are fried. Absolutely. Mm. You know, not not everybody, but uh, we hear about it all the time. Mm. And so it's quite interesting. Yeah. Wow. You know, in, in that realm. It's, it's, it's all, I mean, I'm not encouraging anybody at all to do drugs no. or anything to find no, no. God. Please yeah. do not think that I'm That's going right. that way if anybody's listening. Um, but I'm just, you know, pointing out that yep. it's, when we're almost in our worst states, mm. Our spirit is going, God, help me. That's it. And our that's spirit it. is saying, right. Lord, help me. Yeah. Whether you're drunk Correct. drunk driving home, whether yep. you're about to get hit by a bus, whether you're on meth or drugs, right. whatever it is, 
your spirit's going, God, help me. I, right. I need you right now. Yes. Yeah. God's, God's, you know, he, he's stepping on our shoulder. The Holy Spirit's going, hey, yeah, hey, hey, what are you up to? Mm. I still protect you. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Being what are silly. you? Yeah. You, know, you, don't, so good. you shouldn't be doing that. What are you doing? But you're you know, worth more than this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's it. We don't know our value. We grow up not knowing our value because we're mm. two steps back. Yeah. You know, um, being mouldy. And, um, it's just a struggle. So people just give up and go into the drugs mm. and that. Um, knowing that, you know, the amphetamine is the devil's drug. Mm. And we know that. And, um, mm. we hate it. I hate it. Um, before I was at that stage, because it's just been a way out mm. of actually realizing stuff. But you know, um, through all of that, um, whatever goes up, it's got to come down. Mm. And it isn't until you come down that God goes, "Hey, mm. I'm still here." You, know, you went for a bit of a hikoi, but you're back now. Mm. Yeah, and um, yeah. I so, guess, so how did, how did you actually get in get in touch with God? Yeah, so here it is. So this is the amazing thing. So you remember the uh, recession? The 2008 the, one? Yep. Yep. Um, so just before that, a, a year before that, um, the girl that I was going out with at the time got pregnant. Um, so, you know, um, she said it was mine. So I believed it because it's something that she wouldn't lie about and stuff. So... I looked in the mirror and I thought, oh my gosh, who's that guy? So I was called The Walking Dead. So I used to do um, corporate furniture removals in Wellington, did all the corporates, you know, did all that sort of, that lifestyle. Um, and um, I just looked in the mirror and I was like, wow, I don't recognize that guy. He looks 50, he looks, you know, 80. And um, when you open doors, that are not supposed to be open. You go into these realms that you're not supposed to go into, and um, the drugs did that all the time, you know, growing up. So I didn't have to um, deal with real stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. So I dried out. I, I decided that's it. That's was it. it. When, when, when your partner was pregnant? Yeah, I couldn't. That was you going, I need a... I need, I need to stop. To I had to stand up. Yeah, I mean, look, I had a, I had, I was living with her because I could rest my head because I was on amphetamine. Mm. I had, you know, I had a couple of girlfriends in different towns, traveling, playing league, you know, and, and all that. Um, but it was like, what kind of father could I be mm. if I'm not? I'm in this rubbish. I look in the mirror, and that guy there can't take care of a kid. Mm. He'll ruin him. So I decided then that's it. Um, I rung her father and said, can you come and talk to me? Mm. He came and I said, okay, um, your daughter's pregnant. Um, I'm giving up the drugs and alcohol um, and I'm going to try and make this work. And uh, he paid me some money to go away. <laughs> what, what do you mean to go away? He gave me some money to sort of... Like leave my daughter alone. To leave the situation. Yeah. And, um, and uh, a couple of weeks later I asked him and he goes, look, that was just to help you out. You know, so my mind wasn't right. But anyway, um, I went away and I came back to make it work by the time he was born. So I went to Palmy. I, dry, I I jumped in my car. I drunk. I packed up my car, drunk as much alcohol as I could finally drink, 
And it's my as soon as my car would run out of gas, that was it. So that's 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 where I'd stop. Um, and I made it to Palmy, and I remember seeing a mate, and um, you know, I I've been to Palmy once at his house, and I remember it so well. So I went there, and he took me in. He looked after me for a year. I dried out. Um, had a knife under the pillow if it got too hard. And um, but you know, in the beginning, it was just dark. It was just darkness. And um, sort of in six months, um, through drying out, I started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, and um, the light started to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, and then it was time for me to go down to Wellington and um, be a man and stand up and be there for my son. So um, I cut the cord. It was absolutely amazing, and um, still recovering. So you know, I drank alcohol and uh, that was one one of the things that was my replacement because of the amphetamine took me up so high that um you know I needed a substitute at that time so then I went through years of going through that took her to court because it was just got tougher and tougher and I lost twice but anyway the second time I lost that was it and then I was walking past the Salvation Army oh sorry this I'm going way forward but anyway, I'm in Palmy, in the recession. And um, anyway, I was like, this is the second time I went back to Palmy. So I came down to work out with my um, my ex-partner, with the son. It didn't work out. So um, the recession came, and I went back to Palmy, and um, my mate took me in again. And, you know, I, I surrendered to the universe I did spiritual healing, did Maori spiritual healing, chakras and all that rubbish, as to traveled and everything. And um, But it was really weak because you just had to do more and more and more of it to heal people. So um, I, I just cried out to the universe and I said, okay, I'll give up. I give up, universe. I've had enough. Um, you know, which now um, I know the creator of the universe and um, went to Wins, and they said, oh, look, you're not going to get a job, you know, um, we're in a recession. <laughs> and I said, yeah, no, I gave up to the, um, oh, it's just, as I'm talking, I can see um, just me walking through it these times, and the Lord's just showing me that stuff, you know, being under the trees at this time. And um, you're not going to get a job because it's a recession. And I said, yeah, no, I gave up to the universe, so um, it's good. Two weeks later, she goes, I got you an interview. And I said, yep. She said, any job? I said, yeah, any job. She goes, you're going to be working at a rest home if you get the job. <laughs> so I went for an interview. I got the job. Started working at the rest home. Rung up my sister. That's a non-believer. Well, she made, she believes now, but back then she was a non-believer. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be caring for elderly. You know? And uh, she's like, well, maybe God's getting you ready to look after mum. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, we'll see how it goes. It was great. You know, um, a lot of people died, got to know them really well. And um, they replaced everything I lost growing up. So my mum, she would love me unconditionally. you know, And that, that's where I learned the ungape love. Mm. And um, she's just an amazing woman. So... Um, 
you know, a year later after working there, I was sitting there, they were having communion. And I was sitting there and um, they, um, I had this voice in my head. And I had my back turned because, like, I didn't want to go in the staff room because the woman in there just gossiped and it was really, it wasn't a good place to be. So I stayed in uh, um, in the kitchen and everybody was doing the communion in the lounge. So I'm sitting there and I had my back turned and I heard this voice saying, come. And okay, so I, you know, I was sweating and I was shaking. I thought, okay, and I turned around. And when I turned around, I looked at the communion table. And so, when you're on amphetamine and you're in the bulb, even and and I'm just saying, as when you even anybody can look at a light, and when you look at that light and you look past that light, it goes blurry. So you go past that light, and and then there's a blur. Well, I seen that because we used a lot of you know, um, lighters and being in the bulb with the amphetamine and da-da-da-da-da. So, but this time, I, I seen this, because this is one of the things that the enemy tries to trick you with, with um, being on amphetamine and the light and all of this sort of stuff, you know. Uh, you get caught up in the zone, you know, and it puts you in these realms, and these realms open up doors, and you're just traveling, and mm. all these things are coming up. It's real mental, eh? It's mental health. But, when God's involved, it's completely different. So mm. I, I recognized this thing that was happening. Mm. So I could see beyond the light. And when I saw that beyond the light, um, I heard the voice again. I couldn't see who was there. And he goes, it's me, my son. Come to me. I said, who are you? He goes, it's me. Come to me. So I had communion, and my life had changed, completely changed. So there was no point where you heard, like, Jesus or... Anything like that? He was just saying, "Come as you are." Yeah. Um, in the when I was on the table, I said, "I'm not a Christian. Come to me." Mm, true. Said, Who are you guys? I am. Yeah. Who's I am? Come, my son. It's me. Wow. You know me. <laughs> Do you think, um, as and just like generally, as different people are struggling with addictions, mm. that they before they know Christ mm-hmm. and the state that they're in it when they're attached and, and, and hooked to mm. addiction, do you think that they're in a state where they believe they have to clean themselves up before yeah. going to Christ? Yeah, and, and do you just want to, like, just before we move on from this, yeah. could you expand on that and how untrue that is just yeah, for anybody could. listening? Yeah, that's right. Um, for me, I knew that I had to get to church um, but it, everything for me has to come um, not by someone telling me a man has always let me down I, I've been with, been with some very powerful people in my time and you know um, the Lord had shown me he goes look I put you into these places in front of these people to make you a leader because you hung out with leaders um, good or bad you know they were leaders. And um, lots of times I thought I had to be right and I had to clean myself before going and stuff like that, you know. Because um, that's the world, isn't it? The world saying you need to get clean. Yeah. Like you need to put on a suit before you can come. That's it. You know, and, yeah. and that's that's not at all the heart no. of God, is it? No, it's not. And um, so what happened was I was in... Um, 
after having communion, I, I can't tell you how long after, um, you know, I woke up drunk and um, I'm like, okay, I'm going for a drive. You know, I just, it was like I was sleepwalking. I was still hungover. And then um, I, I, I just, I didn't know Palmy that well, but I turned down the street and it said Church Street. So I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to church. This is the test. This is it. So I'm driving down Church Street and I pulled into this place and it was a church and I um, I went to go walk in there, but the wire was wrong. Um, so I walked away and I was like, well, okay, I can't do that. I'm not going into that because it just, the feeling, you know, mm. it's just something not right about that specific place. So um, I, I went away and then I went to um, the traffic lights before Burger King and Palmy. Anyway, I'm sitting there going, okay, well, and and I looked to the left and was a building that was all boarded up. And I'm like, well, there's an old church. Oh, man, this is easy. <laughs> I'm going to pass this because um, there's going to be no one there. So uh, I, I turned around, went in there, knocked on the windows, you know, went into the front door where you'd normally go and knock on the front door and, you know, nothing. So um, I go to jump in my car and the voice said, Knock on the door. I'm like, there's no cars here. There's no one here. So then um, I knocked on the door, man. And you know what? The curtains open. Chinese, 2000 Chinese in this big place. And he says, come in. You like, you stay. Come, come. We like you. You moldy, you moldy, you come, you come. I'm like, oh my gosh. 2000 Chinese in there. Easy. Probably two Pakia people. Um, and me, the only Maori. What day of the week is this? Is this, is this midweek? This was Sunday. It was on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. But you thought no one was there. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it was amazing. I walked in there. Um, it was really odd, but, you know, everybody was looking at me. It's like, wow. Well, okay. you think they are. Well, they were. Like, oh, you reckon they're looking were? at you? Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, not like. I'm a Maori. <laughs> and oh, I'm in there with 2,000 oh, Chinese. You reckon like, it was what? what? <laughs> oh, <it's okay. laughs> I had rugby league shorts on. I had a top. You know, come <laughs> as you are. I, I didn't think. Do but I have to dress? How welcome? How welcoming were they? Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. So, what caught my eye was a lot of elderly, um, yeah. young, young you, men, young women, children. It was great. So, when you say like they're all looking at you and stuff, do you, do you think? You know, you might build up in your head sometimes that they're all looking at you for for like bad reasons, but at it's actually time, it's no. actually because they're stoked you're there. Yeah, well, I have the sticks here, you know, um, and it's not a curse because um, I read body language. I hear very well. I speak very well. I had to learn how to speak through hearing because um, I, you know, I I grew up. Um, you know, uh, like a gutter talker, a swarm, man, I could swear sentences and you would understand what I was talking about. It's just crazy. That's, you know, that was the, the life, mm. eh? So um, they weren't looking at me at, at any other way, just like, who's this guy? Oh, yeah. You know, wow, you know, he's a Māori. Oh, this is interesting. You know, they all would look around. Mm. So it was okay. I didn't feel um, anything negative at all. And then um, they said, oh, so I hang around. I, I It was sort of at the end of their service. And um, 
They said, you come for a feed and have a cup of tea. So I had a cup of tea. And I said, I can't make a Sundays and all that because of the hours that I'm doing. Mm. So I was covering everybody's shifts. So I was doing night shift, day shift, evening shift. And um, so I said, do you have care during the week? And they said, yes, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock. I said, oh, good, I could probably make that sometimes. So I'd go to there and I met up with this Cambodian man. And it was really good. And then I woke up drunk again. And um, I said, okay, I know where I'm going. So I went there, you know, I still just dressed like, it didn't matter how I dressed. You know? Hang on, so you were constantly going to church, but only when you were drunk? No, no, well, I, this is my second time going to church. Drunk? Hungover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was drunk last night. You're right, got it, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love how you're still going to church though Like oh, look. Usually that's the excuse You know I'm hungover I'm not going Oh yeah But I love yeah. how you're Oh good thanks <laughs> You're going Yeah oh, That's a God thing eh? It is you know, It's awesome I went in there Man You know um, The testimony That the guys Talked about I won't share it But um, God's humour And I love humour and I was sad and depressed and going through all the dramas, la di da di da. But I was sitting there and through his what he was sharing, it came to who's driving your bus? Who's in your bus? Who's driving it? Are you the monkey? Are you the monkey driving? And you know, I was always driving drunk. I was driving lots of people. You know, I drove so many different cars and you know, the latest people, um, cars and stuff. But anyway, um, I got it, you know. I cried like a baby, you know, I just cried and cried, I can't, you know, I just, I have never cried like that ever, you know. Well, so what ha- what happened, was there a spiritual awakening or? Humour, God's humour. God's humour. Yeah, you. I love humour, I love joking, I love laughing, I love being an egg, you know, it just, <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know, life doesn't, life is good, but um, it just. Doesn't matter, you know. You got humor, man. You go so far, and um, I haven't had humor for such a long time because of the amphetamine just killed my insides, mm. you know. And um, you just had to be tough all the time in order to survive, you know. And um, man, I'm up there in front, and I'm like, "How do I get here?" Oh wow! <laughs> and um, she closed your eyes. I didn't know why I was up there. Close your eyes. I closed my eyes. And I believe it was the pastor that came and put his hand on me, um, only because it had, could only be a person that put his hand on me. But then, you know, it was, it, I'd done spiritual healing, I know power. I know power through Wairua, I know power um, from man, and man has always let me down. So I don't trust man. Um, you know, like Abraham was tested. God blessed him his generation and everything else. Um, so this surge came through me. It was just so powerful. Um, it was so overwhelming. It was so hot. And um, I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle it. And normally, so when this surge of power comes through, when you do, um, you know, spiritual healing, you've got to pass it on. So... Um, I couldn't contain it, man. It felt like my it was going to come out of my feet and out of my hands and out, out of my head. I was just going to blow up. <laughs> Never felt it before, ever. 
Um, so there was a, a parking lady in front of me and, you know, um, she was just standing there and she was all cool and stuff. And I just thought, man, <laughs> I put my hand on her shoulder and then boom, I was able to sort of deal with it. And then, um, you know, I didn't even know, but I gave my heart to the Lord. I, I realized later, later, later. Anyway, um, she looked at me and she goes, thank you. And I was like, why? <laughs> You know, so did something happen to her? Yeah, yeah. She got hit and the Holy Spirit whacked her, man. It whacked me. The Lord just touched me. Because the Bible talks a little bit about um, being filled and overflowing. Mm, that's it. And um, I've always wondered that, you know, like why, you know, when you fill up a cup, why would you make it overflow? Mm. Like that's just so messy. Yeah, it's great, and it's not for you. No, it's for other people. Yeah, that's why we overflow. Yeah, we're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, yes, it's so good. It's great. So, um, okay, so you, you gave your heart to the Lord, mm. um, and and in a Chinese church, and uh, so where were you in Palmy? Yeah, okay. the two. Yeah, yeah, and did did that have an effect? In your life with um, your ex partner and, and your son and 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 all that, did they see a change in you? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, here's the amazing thing: is that um, she was a witch. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, she practiced witchcraft, all that. Um, but you know, um, man, you know, I'm moldy, so it's that's weak. Mm. It's very weak. Um, so it, it just like blah, 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 you know, blah, blah, at home, you know, I was on, on amphetamine and, you know, so it, it was very weak. And, um, so it wasn't until later on, um, that things helped, mm. but, you know, at the same time, God's plan is bigger, mm. so much bigger. Um, so what happened was a week after, um, that, the Lord's speaking to me and he goes, I'm going to give you a foundation of belonging and a wife. I'm like, your wife? Well, I've never been married. This is going to be fun. Uh, my sister rings up because I, um, I, I packed up my mum's house because she had, she, was, she had early dementia. I packed up her house, got rid of all her stuff and stuff. Um, and my sister was in Kawado and she rang me up and said, look, I can't look after mum no more. She's ruining my marriage and da-da-da-da-da. But I was like, sis, your marriage, you know, it wasn't good. It isn't good. But um, it's not mum. And she said, give me a month. I'll move down to Wellington and I'll get a job because I'm a painter, interior exterior painter. So I um, I did a couple of jobs and um, as that time I was walking past the Salvation Army and um, they just had an opening for the family store. So I walked past there and I thought, well, I need, a, I need to do weights. I need to, because you know, I started running again, getting back into fitness because I was 110 kgs because I gave up the amphetamine. I put on all this weight. <laughs> <laughs> I made some money through painting, so I left it in the account for emergencies. So, so when you're on meth, do you just not eat or something? You can't eat. Um, some people do. Now, um, they're more educated. So when we were doing it, we weren't educated. We were like guinea pigs. So we um, we just did it. So, yeah, you know, you'd you just lose, lose appetite? Yeah, yeah. You don't eat for a month. You don't sleep for a month. Uh, you're just on the junk. You become a junkie. 
Yeah, yeah and just ruins you. Um, but now, you know, it's it's quite funny to see. I'm learning that in, in the beginning in New Zealand, they actually had two pills and they were amphetamine. Um, you know, um, and they'd give this to women that were overweight. So these women would lose weight by not eating because of this thing. But then, you know, people started to take the ephedrine out and created da 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 and um, wow. just ruined people's lives. Um, you know, right up to this day, uh, it's not as strong as it used to be and stuff. So to actually um, replace it, you know, with the Holy Spirit mm. and um, God just renewed me, mm. reshaped me, molded me into his child. So have you have you struggled with meth since being no. saved? No. Or it's it's those chains have been totally broken off. Yeah, you. absolutely. That's yep. amazing. But they, yeah, God is so good and loyal. Um, I did struggle when I was in the world, and I did relapse and stuff. But you know, I mean, to me, I gave up, mm. and I just had a hit, and I didn't feel guilty. Mm. But anyway, um, I felt really, really, really yuck and disgusting when I did take it. When I was clean for such, you know, a, a couple of months, you know, well, sorry, for a year, and then, you know, um, I, the reason why I went to Palmy because nobody knew me as much. Well, I, I knew the rugby league people up there, but I, my friend, I said, do not tell anybody I'm here. Um, so he didn't. Mm. And um, But, you know, the thing is, is that when God entered my life, everything changed. Mm. And then I moved down. Went past Salvation Army. I knew that they needed to do weights. And I talked to this really old guy, and uh, I said, look, have you got a gym here? And he goes, I'll go in there and talk to this guy. I walk in there, and um, Brent Kostrofferson, I think that's how I say his name properly, amazing man of God. I look at him, and I look at him, and I go, this guy, he is fried. He's off the Richter scale. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm looking at him going, mate. Anyway, I walk in there, and I said, what are you doing? He goes, I don't know. And um, I said, who's this guy trying to pull this thing down? He goes, well, he's a pastor. And I said, does he know what he's doing? No, he doesn't. He's just doing it. These are youth pastors. I didn't know. And I said, look, I'm a painter, exterior painter. I could paint this place. And he goes, great. Can you turn up on Monday? I said, yep, and we can go resines and da-da-da-da-da. So it started there. Um, so I started volunteering. But, you know, when I when I said that the Lord would give me a foundation of belonging and a wife, I went looking for a wife. So I was going to The Rock. I was going to... Um, Arise, when Arise first got into the Rockefeller Center, never been able to make it into the Rockefeller Center because we come from the hood. Oh, true. <laughs> so you could never make it in there. Yeah. Um, but I was finally in there, and it was great worship. Yeah. Good people, you know. Um, and I was bouncing from churches to churches looking for a, a wife. But when I hit the Salvation Army, um, you know, um, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, um, and he taught me less and less I would drink. But um, I would say after a week I'd celebrate after. But if I feel good, because I was always sad and after drinking I was sad for three days and I'd be depressed for a week, so I always had to replace it with more alcohol. Mm. So um, I didn't drink for three days because I was working and then at the end of the week and I thought, well, if I can be happy for a week, I'll do a fortnight. Come to the fortnight. If I get to that fortnight and um, I don't feel like drinking, I won't drink. But if I do, I will. So I did. And 
things didn't happen pretty, you know, pretty good at that stage. It was really bad. And then I thought, well, okay. And I started um, volunteering at the Salvation Army. And then, you know, I got filled with the Spirit. So I thought, well, Lord, okay. Um, if I don't drink on the fortnight, then I'll drink at the end of the month. But if I can be happy for a whole month, um, I, I may not drink. And then I got to the end of the month, I didn't feel like a drink. I thought, man, this is the happiest month that I've had in years, <laughs> you know. Um, so then I thought, well, okay, next month I'm going to have a drink. I'll have a drink if I feel like it. It was coming close to that time. And then, um, you know, uh, the Lord woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, now you know, now it's like, oh, I really need to sleep. <laughs> but, you know, wake me up. I said, yes, Lord, I need to talk to you. Okay. Um with having dyslexia, I didn't read. I'd never read. It's just too much. It's a study. It's not reading. It's studying. Mm. And now uh, I have an hour because um, it's quite good. Because like the Lord sent me to um, a woman that dealt with um, dyslexia through work spell. But anyway, um, when the Lord woke me up, He said, oh, "I need to speak to you," and I woke. Woke up and, you know, I just went through the scripture. You know, I'm just like, okay, time went to stop. I stopped, I had a look, and it said, you've been a drunken fool. I'm like, man, I had never been called a drunken fool. And the times that I have, you know, um, I've had to hit people. And I said, no one talks to me like that. Mm. I said, Lord, you've got to be real. You know, and he said, you've been a drunken fool. Mm. You know, and I said, okay. I said, what else? You've been having sex out of marriage, mm. um, so you need to stop. Yeah. Um, so you know, I become celibate. Oh, right. In, in that time, and then after that, um, I um, the pastor um came down from the Salvation Army, asked me upstairs. I went upstairs, and uh, he showed me this church. It was great. He invited me, and I I turned up drunk. Hungover. Yeah. I still was drinking. Um, but just, you know, it wasn't till that I actually was, when I would drink monthly, hmm. and then I was happy and I happy, and then that time when the Lord spoke to me, that was it. Monday morning I went in, and I said, Pete, Peter Coyer and uh, Malcolm Herring, I said, hey, I'm giving up drinking. The Lord spoke to me last night. Yeah, this is after service, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm going to give up having, I'm going to try, I'm going to give up having um, sex with a woman before marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a funny thing to, to say? I mean, now, now oh, when, you, when you think about it, eh? But <laughs> what was his reaction to that? They were, oh, they were great. You know, they were like, oh, praise the Lord. Come on. <laughs> it is so good. Thank yeah. you. You know, and they gave me a handshake, gave me a cuddle, and they were really excited. Yeah. Um. And then that was it. God took over, and then my, um, you know, cut a long story short, I become a soldier in the Salvation Army, mm. and then um, Joe Partier was the leader of the Salvation Army Moldy Ministry. So um, Joe came up to me and said, "Can I talk to you?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, um, um, "The Lord has put it on our heart that we should, we need a soldier to to travel with them, and uh, it's you." And I said, "Okay, um, yep, okay, I can do this." 
So I started traveling around, and I only just started going to the Salvation Army and mm. becoming a soldier, and I only just started ready to serve. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but prior to that, being a painter, um, I decided to paint for God. So I did some amazing stuff for God through painting and helping people. So I'd get paint from the community. They'd drop it off at the Salvation Army. I'd go out and paint. I went to Tonga twice. That was amazing to do um, painting over there with Bill Miller and um, Peter Coya. It was just so good. Um, And then, you know, I um, tripped up and... um, Went out with the pastor's secretary and ended up being in, a, a, what do you call it, part of a triangle relationship, which I didn't know. Like a love triangle? Yeah, because mm. of her ex-partner and da-da-da-da. Oh, I see. Yep. So, um, you know, through that, it drawed me closer to God because I had to go through what I went through, and I did. And, um, you know, I cared for my mum. It was so good. After um, all of that, I had to put my mum in a rest home because her dementia, she would go back to World War Two, and she would wet the couch. Um, you remember the Lord of the Rings, that golem or... Mm. Is it golem, that thing that talks? Mm. It's a demon, eh? It's yuck. And anyway, um, that was my mum. Early mm. hours in the morning. I know, you know, someone's got my bank card, someone's robbing me. Um, so it just, you know, I started doing music through that. I had to get um, a um, computer in order to record music. So I threw myself into music and looking after mum and did church. I'd go to church on $5 gas. You know, that would last me a while. But oh, the amazing thing was as well, um, my the youth pastor, he prayed that would get a house. We got a house. I lived in um, Stokes Valley, and um, it was just so good. So we were separated from everybody, and it was time for my mum. So I got her golden years, and um, it was time that she went into the rest home. And so she was losing her mind, and um, I'm driving her, and I'm going to the rest home, and I'm like crying. I said, Mum. I just feel like I've let you down, not res- not expecting a response because of mum having dementia. And I was crying and she goes, Craig, you got to live your life. you know, you, you got to let go. Let me carry on. And, um, you know, just, just live your life. So, um, you know, I cried even more. It made it worse. <laughs> So um, I, I put mum in a rest home. It was great. She loved it. She met people from England there. And then mum passed. Um, you know, I had a golden years and God blessed me with that. And then at her tangi, um, my my wife turned up. And, um, you know, that saying, um, as we grow up, one dies, you know, um, God replaces another. So um, this girl um she came into the salvation army i didn't know that um she was she came freely but she found god god changed her she became a soldier um i was doing multi ministry i was traveling around so I, I was away from my church but um the times that i'd turn up there in 2 years i could see her changing this whole time 
And I was like, wow, who's this? Who's this lady? You know? Mm. And um, so, you know, at that time I thought, wow, this is great. Um, but she had a partner and stuff. She did cleansing streams. She did this and she did that. And anyway, um, there was an opportunity that happened, you know, and when she came to the Tangi, I thought, what are you doing here? I thought she was a community worker. And the Lord said, is that my mum's Tangi? I've give, given you a foundation. I've given you a belonging. And he's your wife. I haven't told you this. I, I'm just talking about it now. And I'm like, okay. I can't accept this. <laughs> it's too much. Mum died. Um, you know, I'd never expected to live to 35, let alone be married and now have a child that's three years old. I have a son that's um, seven now. You know, um, Petrina came into my life and, you know, we, um, I've got so much to say and, and how God has just changed and moved and moved and moved and doesn't stop. It gets better every week. It's better. And um so anyway we um we came up to Whangarei for Salvation Army National Hui. We did that. We went to her dad is from Whangarei, Takahiwai, and she was born in Christchurch. We met at um Salvation Army. The youth pastor prayed for me and said, You know what? Whatever you've gone through and what you went through with this girl um, he's going to send your wife here. He's preparing you for her. And I was like, what? But I'm a nobody, you know, preparing me. <laughs> Who does that? Um, but I know now. And anyway, um, we went to her Udupa and um, the light shined on her. And I, and I seen this light before shining on her. And when when we're at church in the Salvation Army, I was looking in this light. These three windows, light shines in all the time. But this light was only shining on her at this time. And I said, Lord, who's that? What's going on here? And he said, this is my daughter. And I'm shaping her. I'm molding her. I'm weed, taking the weeds out. And I was like, wow. So every time I came back from Māori ministry, it, she changed all the time. She was wearing dresses. Um. So then, at the Udupa, the light shined again on her, just on her. And she was cleaning her, her grandmother's grave. And the Lord said, move. I'm like, no, move. Nah, man, I love the city. I'm a city boy. It's easy for me. He said, move. I said, okay, Lord, but I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to say nothing. So we're two minutes away from Lower Hup. And um, she looked at me and I was like, oh, no. You want to go? You got the call, eh? She's like, yes. I said, okay, let's pray about it for two weeks. And uh, so we prayed. Two weeks later, she was pregnant. You know, I didn't believe her, and I said, prove it to me. Prior to my amphetamine, I've had women um, say that these are my children. I've had DNA testing, and it's false. Um, so she put out the paper and said, here you go. Like, wow, okay, we're off. She's like, yep. We talked about it before. 
that um if we would um to have it if we were going to have children she would have had five before me um if we were going to have children uh we'd move out of the cities and and just pick a country town that we could just go and just be moldy and um that was it we made a decision mm. and uh we moved to Whangarei. yeah and you know a um we were in the Salvation Army for a while. It, you know, I was just talking about this with a friend this morning, and God put us through so much in order to catch up. And, you know, we did We did the lockdown. We did that um, incredibly. You know, God just moved, man. It was so huge. We fed so many people and spoke into people's lives and prayed over the food. You know how all the churches were closed? Mm. Well, we were open because we were a food bank. Our church was a food bank. Nice. So everything was set up on the... That's uh, brilliant. Every, every, every people normally sit. Um, we had packages of food. We'd pray. That's uh, so cool. We'd worship. We'd turn up there and we'd worship and pray. I, I wrote a song out of um, lockdown. So we're praying for the food and we're praying over it. It was great. And I said to the pastor, you got to come and look at this. Um, we've got new soldiers. And he's like, what, what? Goes in there and it's all the food on all of the seats and he cracks up laughing. <laughs> we, had, we had 84 pallets that came in eventually. Wow. We had um, Iwa uh, Farm in um, Ruakaka that were giving us um, fish. And uh, so I learned how to um, gut and fillet um, kingies. Wow. Yeah, 460 fish I'd do on Thursdays. It's just amazing, you know. That's so cool. God's just fast-tracked us. Yeah. And so um, it got to the stage. So what were you doing? Were you working with the Salvation Army yeah, in Whangarei? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we call ourselves volunteers, but, you know, getting to know the Word of God, um, I, I realized that I'm not a volunteer, that I know who my master is. I'm not, I'm not a slave. Mm. So then um, that was when it, it became real to me. Mm-hmm. And then I was employed as a youth worker. It was really amazing. Yeah. And uh, we did so much amazing stuff with the youth. It's quite funny because um, some some of the stuff that we were doing um, uh, with the sponsors, we weren't allowed to mention God. You know, uh, yeah. you had to gently do it. And it, and it was part of the, the funding and the thing that was going on. Uh, yeah, because... Because of schools, it was around the school sort of a thing. You know what? I didn't care. I I spoke about Jesus Christ. I wasn't ashamed and nothing. And um, we were just so blessed that 16 children gave their hearts to God. Come on. Yeah. And, and that's what it's all about for me. Yeah. You know, and, and today, um, they're still around. They're leaders now. You know, yeah. And all glory to God because he put me in that situation in that season for, for a while. Mm. And um, so me and my wife, through the COVID, you know, um, vaccinations and all that sort of stuff, I, I already lived a crazy life. So we knew deception. We chose not to. I, I said, no way, this is witchcraft. This is not correct. I know who Bill Gates is. I know who Dr. Felch is. Nothing is making sense mm. to me, so I chose not to. Our children aren't, and uh, so I had to resign. 
So I was working at the Bridge Salvation Army and I was working at um, as a youth leader. But I was the Lord was already ex. Um, he he was already moving me on anyway. But anyway, cut a long story short again, you know, um, we stepped out of the Salvation Army because we believe that God was saying, um, you know, I um, equipped you for a reason mm. and it's time to move. Come on. And my wife said to me, we're starting church on Sunday. I'm like, what? Because we were in the Salvation Army, we were doing outreaches and we were trying to plant. Um, mm. For some reason, the enemy was trying to stop us from going to Dargaville, but we never we never gave up. And anyway, my wife, we were doing, well, she was doing 12 steps. We're doing food bank there through the Salvation Army, and we, um, she got qualified to do the 12 steps. And um, we had a lot of people come in to be soldiers and stuff. It was really good, but then COVID happened, and that just completely changed everything. Um, so we stepped out, and... You know, um, we knew we didn't wear masks. If you wanted to wear a mask, you could. If you wanted to come, you could. If you didn't, that it's okay as well. If you couldn't turn up, that's fine. We're happy. Mm. If there was two or three or four or ten or whatever, one, we're okay. Yeah. We'll do what God's called us to do. Um, so we did. And oh, it was just so amazing because, you know, setting up the chairs, you know, um, someone would say in the comments, oh, you don't have much congregation. It's like, yeah, dude, it's COVID. <laughs> we just put the chairs out anyway. It didn't matter. Come on. It's yeah. a spacing. You know, it was like yeah. if people turn up, the chairs are there. If they don't turn up, then it's spacing. It works out, you know. True. Um, so it was, we just carried on. But here's the thing is that. So is this when you say yeah. we just carried on, this is when you guys had started? Yes. The, the Dargaville yes. Church? We started November last year. Mm. So we've only been going a year, and um, she goes, we're starting the church, we've talked about it, and we're starting this Sunday. I'm like, wow, okay. I was doing night shift, I was caregiving for my mate that's tetraplegic, so I went into caregiving because he really needed a um, a carer. Mm. So I knew, I'd known him since I was young, in Kaikui. So I did that for just under a year, and I said, darling, you know, I go to church, that means work. Because it's just you and me, and we're always left. Me and her have always been left to lock the doors to clean up, and mm. da 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 da. So I'm like, okay, this is work. I get home, she's putting half of her house in the van. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I haven't had much sleep because I'm doing crazy hours. So we get there and we set it up. It's funny because we're arguing. <laughs> the whole, well, I'm arguing instead of listening to her. Um, I'm arguing, say this shouldn't go there. That da 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 da, da. and she's like, I don't know. I'm just doing it while you do it like this and then. So anyway, um, we did it, and you know, it just was amazing. And you know, um, I did music, and one of the things that the Lord said to me, I'm going to give you your heart's desires. And I said, okay. And he goes, what do you want? And I said, I want to do music. And you know, um, <laughs> um. I never wanted to lead music. I never wanted to um, be the worship leader, and mm. I'm it, you know. Um, wow. And but doing it when we first started it was just the Holy Spirit would just explode in the place, and it didn't matter mm. if no one turned up. It was God that was turning up. Come on! But we had to step back because I just I knew, yeah, that I had come 
it can easily become about me. Mm. And I can't do that. I can't pretend. So yeah. if I want to scream and shout, um, I will. If, if I want to speak in tongues, I will, you know. If someone tells me to do something, I can't. You know, because and, – and if I try to tell myself to do something, I can't because I can't fake it. You know, I've done that all my life. Fake it till you make it. Um, so I couldn't. And, you know, we step back. We let God. And um, he doesn't stop working. He really doesn't. Yeah, so when we came to your church this morning, uh, we noticed, you know, you guys have a very open style. You know, mm. it's um, people come up, they pray, they sing. Mm. Um, and I wasn't really sure if there was a particular order or, um, thank you, Lord. We, I mean, it started at 11 and, um, we get there maybe like 20 minutes before it starts and people are singing already. And yeah. I said to Laura, man, I th- did we get the time wrong? Are we like halfway <laughs> through the church? We weren't really sure. And I was like, yeah. no, no, that's just, that's just how you guys do it. You know, yeah. people, just want to worship God. Yes. And um, it, it was an absolutely incredible Good. service. Thank you. And um, you guys have definitely made room for the Holy Spirit to move, mm. you know, and, and you've you've left one ear open to hear him say, mm. I want to go here or I want to go here. And um, there's, there's a classic saying, mm. um, which is the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the church. Yeah. And um, we definitely didn't see that um, today at your church. It was Thanks. quite quite different to, yeah, uh, extremely different to any church that I had ever been to. But in a you know in a good way, you know, yes. it's like yes. that part is a fantastic strength mm. to your church. And um, yeah, so do you want to share a little bit about you know that style of that you guys yeah, have? Sure. Yeah. Chosen to run with at yeah. at the Dargaville Church yeah. and yeah, um, my um, my wife, you know, after a while of moving up, what are we doing? What's our ministry? Where are we going? Da 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 da. da. And I said, we need to pray about it. You know, we prayed. Um, she always wanted to be an officer in the Salvation Army. I said, darling, I have dyslexia. Officers now that are really up there that know how to read and write and spell and do calculators and computers and all those fellas, they still don't go to sleep till 3 o'clock. Mm. So I probably won't go to sleep. Ever. <laughs> I've done that. I, I, like, I like sleep. I love sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely love it. With passion. <laughs> um, you know, after being on that rubbish, we didn't sleep. You know, I, I did a, we call it seven days of enters. You stay awake for seven days. And then, you know, you just lose count of when you did sleep, mm. you know. Um, so I absolutely love it, eh? and it's part of, um, it, you know, working for the rest home um, and all these crazy shifts, um, I had I had to listen to my body, and my body was saying, time to go to sleep, mm. time to go to sleep. And it was every time I was angry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's quite funny, you know, um, this morning, um, mate, you know, the enemy tries to get in. And um, if you would have turned up early in the morning, you'd be like, oh, my gosh. Yep, they're definitely married. You know, <laughs> my wife telling me what to do. I'm like, what? Why, why are you telling me? I'm here in my space, you know? You carry on doing what you're doing and da da da, da you know? And we've got people walking around and 
you know, the Lord, so, you know, the Lord said to me, and, you know, my wife is like, well, you know, what are we doing? Mm. And the Lord said, be yourself. Just be yourself. Um, I've always been there. Mm. I've, I've, I've known you since you were a child, you know, and everything that you have is mine. Mm. Just be yourself. I'll take care of the rest. Um, so that was it because we really didn't know what we were doing. Um, and we rely on the Holy Spirit. We mm. just have to. We're, we're just, we've been through all the dramas. Yeah. Lived, my, my testimony is nothing compared to my wife's testimony and the dramas that she had been through. And she's only shared teeny bits. Which, um, if anybody is interested, while, while we've got you here on the podcast, it's episode one, two, three. Petra Sullivan, so check that out. Petrina. Petrina, sorry. Yeah. It's quite funny, her name. He, I was um, just reading that and yeah. I'm, I'm a bit dyslexic. I often oh, say wow. Lystexic myself. Lystexic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you saying? I forgot. You had me at dyslexic. Anyway, well, I just want to say, like, your church, man. The way that you run it is very sensitive to the whole. Yeah, we spirit. don't run nothing. Look, dude, yeah. um, we're not pastors, we're not prophets, we're not healers. Uh, we believe in the fivefold ministry. Mm. We're not it because we follow Jesus Christ, mm. and if God will use us, we'll take it. Yeah, um, we don't pretend to be anything. We won't sign no covenants. Mm. Um, we've done that. We've been there. We've seen so much. And uh, all glory to Father, all glory to Jesus Christ, because He's our Savior. He gets all the glory, and um, it's all about Him, and it's not about us, mm. you know. And me and Petrina, we we're so in depth in that. And anytime anybody comes around our house and see us for who we really are, mm. um, you'd see it. You know, yeah. uh, we go through hard times, we go through tough times. Marriage is uneasy; it's work. Mm. Uh, we're just real. And, um, you know, there was a guy that turned up today and uh, he's searching. He's just moved up um, three years in the Lord. He's got the same name as my brother named Tiwa, T-E-I-W-A, with a space in the middle. So it's Ta-Iwa. So all my life we'd be calling my brother Tiwa. And he's like, and when he gets educated, he's like, it's Ta-Iwa. And it's <laughs> like, bro, come on, man. To us, you're Tiwa. And then um, I have a brother named Kiwa. And, Tiwa uh, and Kiwa. Yeah, and Wurihiko. Try to say that one. <laughs> Wurihiko. Yeah, good. <laughs> and um, my daughter's three, and um, she's named after my mum. So she's June Rose. Oh, cool. June Rose Sullivan. Rocky um, came from Petrina meaning rockstone, Craig meaning rock. So that's another testimony because the Lord showed us, you know. Pray about Come it. On. I'll show you his name. Hey, um, before we sort of wrap wrap this up, I do want to ask some advice for somebody that and I'm just trying to pick. You got a, you got a a whole bunch really of different avenues in your life. It's mm. been very colourful life, um, and I think I think one of your biggest assets to your trials mm. that have now become triumphs. Is um your addiction overcoming addiction? Mm. 
somebody that's listening right now that's struggling with addiction, it could be anything as well. It doesn't have to be meth or alcohol. It could be porn. could be whatever. Sorry, marriage. Yep. Um, what's some practical advice that aligns biblically and spiritually to be able to overcome that mountain? Yeah, follow your heart. Absolutely follow your heart. And um, willpower, study willpower. It's more powerful than any drug. Um, that's how I was able to do it. You know, um, as a replacement of marijuana, I took up fitness and weightlifting, um, the amphetamine. It was um, was only God that helped me to get through that, through Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, the struggle's real. Mm. But there's a time in, you know, in our lives that we come crashing and we don't have to crash. You know, we, we, can, we don't have to. We don't have to um, be rock bottom in order to see Jesus Christ. We just, it's just follow your heart, you know. Um, just open your heart, eh, because you can harden your heart because you were trying yeah. to protect yourself, yeah. you know, because the world's a rough place. Yeah, and, and ask God, ask Ask the universe. You have to open your heart to that, you know, God, all right, I'm letting my guard down because I want you to come in. Yeah, but who speaks like that? Hey, yeah. That's the hardest thing, is it the that's, language, eh? That's the hardest part. Yeah, yeah, it is so hard. But like when you were driving around and, and all that yeah. and you saw Church Street and things like that, yeah. you had lowered your guard. And Good. you you would go, I mean, you might, you had, might not have said it out loud and things like that, but... That's essentially what had happened. You're going, all right, yeah. God. I'm I'm opening my eyes and I'm letting myself hear. <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. talking, I'm listening. Yeah, you know, good. and and it's like, okay, I'm not gonna yeah look the other way if I see you coming. I'm I'm looking out for you. Yeah, and and giving him that window, but like that that requires the sacrifice of letting your guard down. You cannot have your guard up. Mm. I mean, you can. God can move through anything. Yeah, but if you the Bible says really clearly, um, those who diligently seek me, mm. you will find me. Yeah, and that's the key word diligently. And and what does that mean? You know, today it's not just you know, God, if you're real, show up. It's all right, God, if you're real, I'm going to drop low on my guard. I'm going to look. I'm going to listen. Yeah, and I'm going to search. Yeah, and Good. and then. That's when God shows up, because mm. I mean, he 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 shows up in so many different ways. You know, you got you got to be looking, like, and when I say look, you got to be looking, like going, God, if you're real, show up. And it's not like right, I am God in the sky in front of me. It's not like you're not looking for these ridiculous signs. Mm. It's it's genuine signs. How have hundreds of millions of people before us, mm. billions probably? found God it's, it's not from this no. um, person showing up in the sky it's it's all right how's everybody else done it you know you don't have to reinvent the wheel it's having an open heart to search and to mm. find that's it you know um, the Lord talks about mentioning my name and mm. um, the more you hear it the more you want to learn about it and um, if we're quiet then no one hears the name of Jesus Christ and um and that's what it's all about. It's just mentioning his name, singing about his name, mm. uh, and not using it as a, a swear word. 
Mm. Um, people used to say to me, you know, I hate saying it, but I, you know, they'd say, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" I said, "Oh, I know that guy." <laughs> yeah, like, that's good. What? So yeah, man, I love him. Yeah, you know? um, and and I'd share testimony, testimony, testimony. Yeah, and you know, um, some would take it, some wouldn't. But, you know, um, when I um, first heard people um, using it, I was like, oh, you know, I was like, wow. But then I grew in my faith, and I thought, you know, actually, um. I'm not a mat that people can wipe their feet on. So I can stand up for Christ. Mm, and so on. anything like that, mm. um, what are you talking like that for? That's wrong talk. Mm. What are you talking like that? Where does that talk come from? Mm. What does it mean? Oh, you're swearing. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, Ray Comfort talks a little bit about mm. um, using God's name in vain. Yeah. And, you know, says, um, you know, do, do you love your mum? You know, you, you love yeah, your mum. Wow. And uh would you wow. use your mum in, in in replacement of a swear word? No, you love your mum. Yeah. Now how do you think the creator of the universe, the one who, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made you, yeah. that has a plan and a purpose for you, that loves you, that paid the price of death for you. Mm. How do you think he would feel? Yeah, that's right. of you replacing his name for a swear yeah. word. And it's going Oh, and, and not only that, he's the king of kings and the lord of lords. All right, what is the crime? If you were to go up and swear at the queen's face, what would be the punishment for that? Yeah. Try thinking of that for the king of kings. Yeah, yeah. The lord right. of lords. Yeah. Like you can see why, oh, actually it's a lot more set. Like we've um, almost normalized it and it's not a normal thing to no. do. It was it was punishable by death in the Old Testament. Wow, hey, <laughs> it's a serious serious thing. Yeah. And but luckily we live under the the days of grace. And um, but it's good to have that reverent fear of it as well, and to understand the weight that that name carries. Yeah, I, I feel like you know, um, we're a lot of Maori that are um, two steps back, um, struggling in life mm. that. Um, you know, everything's a replacement, mm. you know, um, because the English language is just so, so out there. Mm. And um, and everything, every word's changing and everything. And, um, you know, growing up in the hood, we had mama jokes, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff. So we did do that. And, um, but as a Māori, we, you know, a lot that I grew up with at the time, a lot of things have changed. We never cursed Jesus. We mm. curse God because we knew that, um, you know, this is for me and, and for a lot of my friends. Um, we knew who God is. That's actually amazing. That's amazing to hear that. Yeah. It's good. Even know. before you knew him. Yeah. That was a name you just didn't go, didn't, didn't mess around with. Yeah. Too powerful. That is so cool. Too powerful. I love the recognition. Mm. And then I, and I like, I'm not even going to call you an unbeliever because I think deep down you would have known. Like, there's a reason you you <laughs> just went. Oh well, uh, yes, yeah, it's actually, it's weird. Hey, eh? back in the day, when you think back, eh, and you go, <laughs> and actually, when I when I do look back in my life, there's a reason I didn't go there. Mm. Like, I had to have known something. I had to. I mean, otherwise, that doesn't make sense. The seed, eh? Yeah, and there was the something there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it could have been. Yeah, your mum's prayers or your grandmother's prayers yeah, or your right. cousin or whatever, you know. Old lady prayers, I tell you, they're powerful. They go yeah. a long way. Oh, <laughs> hey, just saying that, um, I'm painting a house for a lady that's a prayer warrior. Come on. She prays for schools. 
and I'm painting her house. And um, she goes, you've got to come and see this. I was like, what is it? And she goes, is this your son? I said, yes. She goes, I've been praying for him for five years. Come at a on. School. And she had to stop going to school, to the schools, because they stopped um, Bibles at school. Oh, that's but sad, she isn't still it? held on. Yeah, well, that's government, eh? Yeah. Um, the days we live in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Things have changed since COVID. Mm. And... Um, she has all these names, and she goes, this is your son. I've been praying. I'm like, what? She sings beautiful, amazing woman. Um, she comes from England. Uh, I, I shared to her about my mum and stuff mm. like that. Um, blessed to be in that situation, you know, to help her out. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm charging peanuts. You know, as long as she can buy the paint, I'll do the work. Mm. Um, and, you know, her house, amazing testimony. Her house, her husband left her for her cousin and, you know, um, I won't mention her name or anything, but um, she couldn't afford this house. And it's a massive house. He was a good husband. Anyway, God gave her the money to buy the house. <laughs> Come on. A, it's huge. It's massive. And it hasn't been touched. The husband built it. Yeah. And um, I'm painting it. Cool. 40 years later. It's great. Hey, um, Craig, what are some of the people that you would really like to honour throughout your spiritual journey of like yeah. know, discipling you through? Yeah, through... Malcolm Hearing from the Salvation Army. You know, oh, yeah? My spiritual dad. Um, just beautiful, you know. And and as he, get, as he got older, um, his love. You know, I'll tell you something. I turn up, he goes, like, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, okay. Go into the office. And he goes, okay, I want you to sit in here and you're going to read the Bible and da, da, da. And I said, oh, yeah, but um, I can't read. He goes, mm-hmm. okay, that's all right. Um, I'll help you. He tried to help me. A lot of people tried to help me. And he goes, okay, I know another way because the enemy's trying to stop you from reading. I said, yep, okay, what are we doing? And he goes, let's go. He took me to the warehouse and he grabbed um, movies of the Old Testament coming into mm-hmm. the New Testament. Heaps of them, bought yeah. them all. Yeah, put the TV in his um, in his office, and um, I read. I mean, I, I watched them, and it's quite funny. Is sitting in the pastor's room because he's looking at me, going, "What are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Why did you choose this one?" <laughs> True, you know. And um, great, I love him and his wife, and um, and uh, Peter Coyer, Jenny Coyer, you know, in the Salvation Army and Gisborne. Um, they have blessed us so many times in so many ways, you know, and uh, Ray and Jeanette Kill, or Janet Kill, you know, uh, we have people praying for us, and it's very mm. important. You know, um, people talk about Egypt, you know, there's lots of theories and stuff like that. You know, um, there was a story that a lot of people prayed for those rocks mm. in order to be lifted, to, make, to be made lighter for the slaves. Mm. Come on. They had three prophets that prayed over it, that sort of stuff. Mm. So um, as a testimony, you know, um, we were, my wife got all this flax given to her, but the problem was there was just mountains of dirt. Mm. So we had to, uh, on a Monday after church, you know, on Sunday and da-da-da, we had to, like, get rid of all this stuff. Mm. So I asked Phil Royal, I said, "Real Phil, we need your help. Yes. What do you want me to do? He's had a heart attack, he's had strokes, he's, he can't lift and all this, and we just, blessed by him and um, I said can you pray then just make the dirt lighter 
Can you just pray for our strength? And you know he did. Huh. Before you know it's over. Come on. Went to Takahiwai, planted them. And wow. and that's the power of God. Yeah. I remember doing a hungi for my family coming down. It was my mum's last Christmas. So I said, everybody need to turn up. Mm. Mum's last Christmas. You know how much she loves Christmas. But, you know, people uh, don't like Jesus so much. You know, so they're a bit worried about not drinking and la 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 la. I was like, well, okay, you can do that somewhere else, but here we don't. I put the hungry on for myself, you know, and I was drained, tired. I couldn't do it, but I needed to get this, this, the irons out from the fire, and I already dug another hole in order to move it. And I was just drained, so I got it out and I put it there, and then I had to bury it all. And I just couldn't do it. I was about to give up. And the Lord said, call on me. I said, what do I say? (laughs) I'm a newbie. What do I say? And he says, ask for some strength. I said, Lord, give me some strength in the name of Jesus. Help me just get through this so it'll be cooked. Anyway, um, so I did it. Family turns up. They said, how long before we eat? I said, oh, another hour. How long has it been in there for four hours? They said, oh, mate, you need longer than four hours, bro. Da, 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 da. I said, oh, no, you know. Um, I prayed. I gave. He said, he'll give me the strength. We just need to pull it up. Mm. And if it's not cooked, at least you're here because they traveled. Yeah, yeah. And we pulled it up. It was beautiful. Come on. Absolutely beautiful. Um, everybody ate. Awesome. Yeah, it was my mum, one of my mum's last Christmases. Awesome. Oh, that's so cool, man. Thank You've you got so an incredible much. story, eh? There's so much, you know. Bro, my, you know, marrying my wife, man. Yeah, she's a wonderful Peter woman. Peter turned it up. Him and his wife turned it up for us. They taught us how to yeah, serve. Yeah, true. They taught us how to serve. I mean, an incredible service and hospitality today. We had a hungry straight after church. My wife so, did that. Yeah, she's got amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I don't like to stress... Um, I've let go of so much. So in the mornings, I'm all about the kids. Mm. You know, I'm not worried about adults. I'm worried yep. about my kids. But uh, my wife's just so amazing. She's always been amazing, mm-hmm. and she replaced my mum. Right. Yeah. You know, um, as soon as my mum died, um, Petrina came into my life. Mm. As much as I didn't want to get married, but you know, that's another testimony. I tell you, just mm. life gets better and better and better and better. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. God's in it all. Yeah. Oh man, I. I mean, I just, I, I loved hearing all the different stories throughout your life, you Thank know. You. You've gone through so many different mountains, you know. You've had, had the, the mountain of your father leaving you mm. and um and and also, like, the restoration in that as well. I mean, we didn't go into huge detail on that, but we did say, you know, you have forgiven your father. Yes. And, um, and you're still in contact with him. Yes. And um, that, I, I love that, you know, that even though you, you started off with, you know, one parent sort of thing, mm. um, that there's been restoration there in that in that in your life, mm. and then you know you're going into obviously drugs and alcohol and and downhill from there. But how that actually led you to a place where you're going, I actually like I can't do this. Mm. I can't keep uh, taking on these um, temporary satisfi- satis I was going to say satisfactions, satisfactions. <laughs> um, I can't take on these temporary satisfactions, mm. and um, and because it, it's it 
bringing me to a dark place. And like you said, like you might have done meth once and, and you're depressed for, for ages or I think you said alcohol alcohol, yeah. alcohol and you're depressed for ages. So that that's the reason why you have more alcohol and that's what, where the spiral becomes. It's mm. it's this um, perpetual cycle that you go into and how God brought you out of that. And then the moment that you started really searching after God and serving after mm. God is when everything flipped. You started... Um, looking for different churches, looking for where that, you know, heavenly wisdom is how, and and how over the months that you went from um, being an alcoholic and being a meth um, uh, drug addict mm. that, that you went into this place of like searching how to come out of that and doing it so well and now you've got this um, mess that has turned into a message. You know, you got this trial that's turned into a triumph. Yeah, true. You know, um, you. we just you, you go through those things. You, you are the victim, and now you're the victory. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you're the victor, and um, it's so cool uh, seeing this this progress in your story and how God or is like at the end of it, it's nothing but God matters mm. and serving Him. Yeah, and um, everything else. And the, and Paul says this in the Bible: I count everything rubbish. Except for serving God, yes. Except for um, you know, after that, that service and that love for Jesus Christ, everything else I count as garbage. Mm. And um, yeah, I just want to say I really honor you, man, and um, thank you so much for sharing your heart and sharing where you know you've gone from this point in life, and now now you're at this point in life, and you're with Christ, and um, He's given you an amazing family, an amazing purpose mm. an amazing wife and um that yeah, yeah you guys are just incredible so thank you so much yeah so cool awesome thanks for listening to this episode of the jesus magnet podcast if you enjoyed this make sure that you connect with us find us on facebook on instagram and if you want to support us be a member of our coffee club jesus magnet coffee club see you next time on the jesus magnet